welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Football Chat Ask Me Anything series. Tonight, guest star Chris Robin, aka at Detroit Beastie on Twitter. Uh, he's a contributor to the Undroppables content team as well as Fantasy Pros. He's an IDP big brain as well as a DFS analyst, basically doing it all. A uh, rising star in the fantasy football community, Chris has a plethora of knowledge across a wide variety of topics. He's here tonight for us. Chris, how are you doing? Hi, thank you. This is uh, fantastic. I, I've I've used Discord for a number of different things over the years, mainly for like DFS purposes, sharing lineups, getting my stuff out there. But I didn't know that they had like a voice feature like we're doing now, kind of like uh, Clubhouse, as you put it earlier, like this is their uh, answer to what Clubhouse is doing, because that's kind of taken off. But uh, this is fantastic. I was very, uh, very thankful and excited that you reached out to, to me to do this. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Uh, I know that Chalk has been talking to you up for a long time. Uh, and uh, definitely glad that we were able to get you on, especially at a good time right after the trade deadline and all those transactions. And, you know, with the NBA still going on, we can get a DFS uh, view. Uh, I've got a few questions myself regarding that. Um, but yeah, we're definitely excited to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for, you know, donating your time on a Monday afternoon. I know you probably have better things to be doing than hanging out with us, uh, just answering some questions. But uh, yeah, yeah, let's get things started. Uh, we won't won't keep people in suspense. Way yeah. too er- way too early projection for defensive player of the year next season. This is a good one. So uh, you called me an IDP big brain. I don't think I've ever called myself that. So that was fantastic that you or someone else, that was uh, your idea. So defensive player of the year next season. uh, I mean, you'd be silly to look over Darius Leonard, the maniac in Indianapolis. This guy is, he's been a monster for several seasons and I believe he's going into his year. uh, He's going to be 25 or 26 this coming season, which means, you know, that's just about the start of your prime. And the guy's a maniac. He's a monster. He's someone I want on all my IDP teams. And I firmly believe that this guy is going to give Defensive uh, Player of the Year a run for its money for several seasons on end. And I'm telling you now, it's going to start this season uh, in 2021. Uh, An outsider's chance to me, I would think, you know, in a sophomore season, Jeremy Chin, the safety, or he was a rookie last year, safety in Carolina. This guy is your prototypical ball hawk. He reminds me of kind of uh, what I, I look at Jamal Adams, you know, we went from the jets to Seattle. I look at Jamal Adams as like the benchmark for uh, stud safeties or a tackler. That's what we look for in IDP formats. But back in like my father's day or my grandfather's day, what are we looking at? Mike Singletary, Ronnie Lott, Jamal Adams (laughs) is kind of like that. And I'm not kidding. And so uh, look for Jeremy Chin to make some uh, some noise this season. And again, Leonard, as I said, he's 25 now. He'll, so he'll be 26 in the course of the season. Or what about Patrick Queen? Sophomore season again out of, <coughs> excuse me, LSU pl- playing for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I completely understand getting choked up talking about Darius Leonard being a Colts fan. So I can put Oh, he's amazing. Up. Amazing. Um, especially, I don't know if you're familiar with the IDP one, two, three scoring um, that's uh, more balanced towards offense and defense um, where you get guys uh, like Will Fuller that can put up 45 points. Well, Darius Leonard has every right to put up 45 points for the things that he's doing on the field. So, I mean, I took him round three in one of our dynasty drafts, went running back wide receiver and then Darius Leonard. So no regrets and completely agree 110%. I had to mute my mic because I was pounding on my table so hard. Um, That's fantastic. Over that. um, Don't let, let's not discount Roquan Smith in Chicago or what the hell, hell Devin white was unbelievable uh, for Tampa Bay last season and through their, you know, their playoffs and their Super Bowl run there. And one more player just for the heck of it, Blake Martinez in New York, 151 tackles last season. That is unbelievable. And if I had to rank them in order, I know nobody asked me to do that. It would be Leonard, probably uh, Ro- Leonard, Roquan, White, Patrick Queen, and then Chin there. So uh, th- that's my, you know, like my top five in uh, hopeful 
defensive player of the year hopefuls this coming season? If the Browns do, well, actually, yeah, Schobert. Um, what, what do you think about him? You think he has a running chance or? Yeah, absolutely. I believe uh, Schobert is in Jacksonville uh, right. as, of, as of now. He, w- he was originally with the Browns, and then uh, he, they traded him away. Same thing with Green Bay did with Blake Martinez. These tackle machines, uh, they don't stay put for anywhere long. I mean, Bobby Wagner in Seattle, I believe he's 30-31. He you know, constantly racks up 120, 130 carry, or excuse me, tackles, and he's been in Seattle the length of his career. But Joe Schobert, uh, he had 141 tackles last year, two and a half sacks, three interceptions. So, uh, you know, anything over 100 tackles, is someone I want on my team. And then when you get in that upper echelon of 120, 130, a buck 40, and a buck 50, you're you're in pretty rarefied air there. So, yeah, absolutely, Joe Schobert is in that uh, category. And I, I know I'm probably going to get pooped on for this comment, but, you know, Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year, whenever you put up his numbers side-by-side side with Darius Leonard, I just don't get why why that wasn't given to to Leonard I mean people well I guess not award wise but just draft wise people are constantly overlooking like I would want Darius Leonard over Aaron Donald 110%. I believe the it was between uh Aaron Donald and TJ Watt in Pittsburgh and TJ Watt had he had everything you wanted. He was your defensive player of the year, but they yes. give it to Aaron Donald because again, you know, the, these rookie of the year awards or uh, defensive player of the year, or, you know, uh, offensive MVP. It's basically like high school for professional football. It's always the popular kids that win homecoming queen and prom queen and things like that. So when it comes to these awards, they're not very uh, meaningful. They're kind of shallow in my eyes in terms of, you know, if you're going solely based on on numbers and, you know, projections and numbers and things from there, then it was T.J. Watt. They give it to Aaron Donald because he's he's an ambassador of football on the defensive end, and he, do, he does the commercials with, you know, their, their play 60 movement. Not a lot of people know who T.J. Watt is because he's just a, a humble, hardworking guy. So I would imagine, and, and don't quote me on this, but I would imagine that the NFL has already gotten with T.J. Watt and said, we're going to get you in some commercials and we're going to get your face around there. Cause if you repeat what you did last year, you're going to be defensive player of the uh, year this coming season. So it's all about popularity and, and visualization. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that sort of segues into our next question here about, we talked about all these big moves taking place and it seemed in the news, like, with so many big offensive players on the free agent market, the the news sort of was overshadowed by them. And the defensive players didn't get as much love. Defensive players didn't get, get as much love. So what are some new players' landing spots that you're most excited about? So I would imagine you, you'd like uh... – you know, offensive players or, or defensive players, it doesn't matter to me. But uh, I mean, the fact that you that you swap that L.A. and, and Detroit swap quarterbacks is is pretty fantastic. You get a guy like Golfin to maybe help uh, bridge the gap before they draft somebody else. Uh, and then you, Stafford, who is he's a, he's a good quarterback. He's a proven good quarterback, but Stafford isn't a proven winner. He hasn't won anything here in Detroit. So to take Stafford from Detroit and move him to LA and think up oh, we're the, we're the divisional favorites. I think we're, you're going to be shocked if you, if you act that way, then think, well, you move, what's the old saying? You, you can't, you could take the kid out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of the kid. You can't take the, the winningless seasons out of Matt Stafford and put him somewhere and think, you know, he's going to win. They're going to win 10 games and they're going to go to the Super Bowl here. But defensively, uh, J.J. Watt, I mean, he goes to Arizona in in a fantastic spot. Two-year, $31 million deal uh, right at the start of free agency. It includes $23 million in guarantees. Now, I know, you know, you look at J.J. Watt and we know he's a fantastic uh, defensive end, defensive lineman, however you want to put it. But the last, what? 
you know, three, four, maybe even the last five seasons have been marred by injury. Like nothing crazy, but just nagging shoulder injuries, elbow injuries, soft tissue injuries of his knee and his ankles here. And in Arizona, you know, it's not far from Houston. So you can't say, well, he's going from a warm weather climate to a cold weather climate. That's not good. Or the opposite going from cold weather to warm weather. Well, that's not good. He's going from, from Houston, which is warm to Arizona, which is a warm desert, but in a dome. So by adding Watt, the Cardinals essentially, you know, they, they, they're giving up on re-signing uh, Hassan Reddick, which is fine. He carries his own risks, but JJ Watt was a fantastic addition. Andy Dalton in Chicago as a Lions fan, uh, that's fantastic. You'd love to see yes. Andy Dalton playing the, <laughs> playing the Lions, you know, twice a season. Uh, Cincinnati signing, you know, the New Orleans Saints defensive end Trey Hendricks is a fantastic one. Uh, that they, they bet on on him on just a one year, very high. They bet on him after only one year of, of high end production: thirteen and a half sacks, thirty three quarterback pressures, and he got that four year, sixty million dollar deal with sixteen million guaranteed with the Bengals. And again, Trey Hendricks uh, was a Hendrickson, excuse me, was a very nice IDP waiver wire ad this past season. Someone who I mentioned several times through the course of the season in my articles. Uh, I love the idea that Jacksonville added Shaquille Griffin uh, from Seattle. You know, the the, the kid who came out uh, missing a hand. He's a twin. He didn't have his, uh, I believe he didn't have his uh, right hand. He doesn't have his right hand, but it, he, he doesn't let it hold them back. And going from Seattle to Jacksonville, three-year, $45 million deal, you know, almost $30 million guaranteed, uh, just means that they, they, they expect Shaquille Griffin to be in that backfield, you know, and causing havoc. Uh, breaking up passes, interrupting lanes for quarterbacks here. So uh, Shaquille Griffin going there is uh, great. And one more, the Los Angeles Rams, they uh, they re-signed Leonard Floyd. So that's not that's not a, a crazy. It's not like up there with J.J. Watt or the swap of golf and Stafford. But uh, he's an outlier here because he had a very successful season last year, 10 and a half sacks as a linebacker. And then they, they took the opportunity to say, you know what? We're going to lock you up for four years, $64 million. And it only carries the, 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 the good thing I find here for LA is it, it's only a cap hit of like five and a half million. And that number does jump up 20 million next season. So that you can tell that LA with the addition of Stafford and signing uh, Leonard Floyd like this, their, their opportunity to their window to win now is this season. Like it's the definition of we need to win now. Uh, at first, whenever you said the swap between golf and Stafford, golf in Detroit now, I uh, held my breath thinking, oh, my gosh, surely he's not going to say it's an improvement over Stafford. Like, no way he's going to do that. No, um, I'm, I, I'm logical. <laughs> I'm a logical man. I, I know that, you know, we play fantasy football and it says fantasy right in it. It's supposed to be fun and, you know, suspenseful and active. But this is realistic. This is real, and you can see it, and uh, <laughs> golf is not an upgrade on Stafford. I'd rather have Stafford, but uh, he ran its course here, and I'm glad you know they, they let him go. They swapped him, and they put him in a better situation. Well, while we talk about Detroit for a second, how in the heck did Kenny Galladay get away with that deal after everybody sold themselves so low for one-year deals waiting for that salary cap to increase? What was that magic? Well, I look at that as, so from everything I've heard here in Detroit, uh, the Lions offered Kenny G $18 million, you know, a season for three or four years before the 2021 season had even started. He declined it, kind of wanted to bet on himself, and then he kind of blew it. He had a hip injury that kept him out all season. He played, what, a handful of games, if that. And then when you fast forward to right now or before when free agency started, uh, people were signing left and right. I mean, Curtis Samuel even signed before Kenny G. And when it came down to it, the Giants were looking like, you know, you're at a school dance and there's only so many women or so <laughs> many girls left to ask to dance. And one of them happened to be Kenny Galladay. And they said, well, yeah, Kenny G is, he's not a consolation prize. Kenny G is a very uh, serviceable wide receiver. He's, he was, you know, back-to-back thousand-yard receiving seasons. And so, yep, he's here. Uh, let's just, let's talk to him. Let's add him. And they gave him, you know, a ton of money. And I, I believe, you know, when you talk, 
you know, 18 million, 19, 20 million, you know, one or 2 million is not a big deal, but I believe the contract that he signed with the giants is just a little bit less than the lions had offered him that he declined. So Kenny G uh, looked like he, he wanted to chase money. That was his thing. Cause if he wanted to be here and have roots in Detroit, maybe, you know, help on an upswing and, you know, winning something like that, he would have stayed here, but he left, he wanted to chase money. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best. And uh, good luck in New York, Kenny. Um, cracking me up. Uh, so we'll jump now to over to the Minnesota Vikings. And they've been adding to the defense and free agency to solidify a defensive unit. But will any of the moves mean anything if Daniel Hunter or Daniel Hunter isn't back to form or holds out for trade? Well, yes and no, and I will I'll tell you there. So you know, Daniel Hunter, was it, it Daniel, Danielle? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. That's why I did a double take. I was like, Dangus mm, uh, Memus is gonna say Daniel. And sorry, chat, Daniel Hunter. There we are. Yes, that's it. So, you know, with with the addition of I believe they signed uh Xavier. Howard from he came from uh, Dallas. That was a great signing. A guy who's in his early 30s, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have all that information in front of me, kind of going off the top of my head. And uh, again, you you'd like to think that one player like Hunter wouldn't be such a big deal, but he's a massive cog in that defensive in that defensive roster. That the defense goes as he goes. They all look up to someone like him. And I, when I say look up to someone like him, anybody, TJ Watt, uh, JJ Watt, these guys make the defense go. These guys, they have pressures. They do a lot uh, in the course of a game that doesn't show up on, on counting stats. They don't, not a lot of what they do shows up in, you know, in the, in the counting stance, in the box score, as I was saying, they, they able to sit and talk with people and not sit, but in between plays, this is what I'm doing. This is what's working. This is what you need to do. So he's giving on, on the fly advice when he's on the field to the, the whole collective group of, of defensive players in there. So, you know, if Hunter, uh, which I firmly uh, believe that he's going to be a hundred percent and ready to go for the start of the season, you know, that will make that defense, you know, another notch better, another notch higher, you know, and a, a rookie last year, as in Jeff Gladney, their cornerback, you know, he was drafted after, you know, Jeff Okuda here in Detroit. Okuda was drafted third overall. Jeff Gladney from, I believe, Georgia or Clemson was drafted late, late in the, in the first round at the beginning of the second round. And nobody paid attention to him while Gladney had a better, had a better season in his rookie year. So all these players, they develop at their own time at their own speed. So when Minnesota brings in, you know, these guys like Xavier Howard, like I said, uh, and even uh, what's his name? Uh, Barr, Anthony Barr, they drafted him and they, he came back. I mean, he was a nice signing for anybody, but he decided to come back to Minnesota. So it looks like they're going to have a, a very fine collection of, of defensive linemen, defensive backs, uh, cornerbacks, safeties, and all that in, in Minnesota. So they will go as Daniel Hunter goes. But if, if clearly in the beginning of the season, if he's not putting it together or he's not or he's hobbled or something along those lines, that defense is going to be fine with or without Hunter. All valid points. Um, and to tack on to the end of that, another user said that he pronounces it Daniil. So who knows what's going on with that first name? Um, I'll have to, uh, we'll have to reach out to him on Twitter, text him, give him a phone <laughs> call, see what uh, Daniil says. Well, I actually have his personal phone number in my phone. I've just always called him Mr. Hunter. So I'll just have to ask him straight up next time I give him a shout. But we'll keep things moving right along here for us. With the Miami trade action happening right now, how do you think they uh, attack the draft in the first round? Well, Miami in the first round, this is, you know, this is set in stone. This is as clear as it gets. They're going offense. Uh, Jamar Chase should be there. If you look at, uh, you know, the first four or five picks in that draft, uh, it, it looks like it's going to be quarterbacks, right? It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. 
going to be Zach Wilson, then Justin Fields, and then Atlanta's picking at four, I believe. Do they go Mac Jones? Does San Francisco go Mac Jones? I don't know, but I'm fully expecting that the first four picks, the first three will be quarterbacks, without a doubt. The first four could be as well. So when Miami uh, is up to pick at, I believe, six, right before the Lions, uh, I, I like this for the Lions more than I like it for Miami because at, at, at six right there, I believe Jamar Chase is going to be there and Pitts is still going to be be there. So Miami undoubtedly is going to go Chase or Pitts. And then at Lions at seven, kind of like in your fantasy drafts, you get a collection of guys and you're happy with either one of them. So when the Lions are up at seven, they'll be happy to take, you know, in air quotes, whatever leftovers Miami gives them. But again, I firmly believe that Miami is just going to stock up on offensive talent as well as uh, some interior offensive linemen if they can. And um, what else would they need? Probably an inside linebacker or something along those lines. But th- their first round pick is almost assuredly going to be uh a wide receiver, and it's going to be Jamar Chase. Mm. You heard it here first. Miami going Jamar Chase in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. Um, but you don't just follow NFL. You play a ton of DFS, a variety of sports. I've checked out your Twitter numerous times to get some plays for myself, try to make some money usually uh fare better playing your plays than my own uh so i advise everybody in the audience here to follow detroit beastie on twitter make sure you get get that money as well but are there any moments in particular that made you fall more in love with the daily fantasy aspect of things yeah when i first started playing you know, 2012, 2013, I won $3,000 on, on a dollar contest in baseball. And a week later, I won 5000 on a baseball contest. And that was all well and good. And then, bam, the like the thousands of dollars stopped coming in. And I had to learn that, you know, I'd probably be better off playing scratch-off tickets. And, I'm, you, you know, it's it, it'd be very tough to hit at that rate you know, playing the amount of money I am, you know, these sharks, as they call them, they can play, you know, $10,000, $20,000 a night which is mind boggling to me because if I had 10,000 or $20,000, I wouldn't play DFS. I have the money. You know what I mean? If I have the money, why am I going to spend it to win more money when I already have the money, if that makes any sense. But I would say if you fast forward to right now, I fell more in love with it this past season. You know, I've written bottom of the barrel, you know, that's my, my foot in season football DFS article, my value plays and, you know, things along those lines. And it really, uh, it really took off this season everybody so i think everybody who read it liked it commented shared anything that really uh blew up i had uh just over half a million cumulative views throughout the season so you know all the weeks combined uh over a half a million which was mind-blowing to me because the most prior to that was probably you know 23 24,000 in the length of a of a season but bottom of the barrel is big for me and the idea that people took to it so much you know, gave me the, I'm not trying to be corny here. It gave me the warm and fuzzies because after all these years of playing DFS and these tricks and these tips and everything that I've learned, it was kind of like the culmination that everybody was not, I don't want to say agreeing, but everybody was reading it and they were accepting of it because deep down we all want to be accepted. We want people to say, Hey, uh, you know, you know, Chris is a good dude or Aaron Moore, who's in the chat, a trusted member of the Facebook group or, you know, Saber Metrics. He's over here with uh, with me at the Undroppables. Everybody wants to be told you're doing a good job. I like what you're doing. You're doing a good job. Keep it moving. Keep it going. And that's what happened to me this season in the over the course of what, 17, 18 weeks, even more because. All, I wrote all through the playoffs in the Super Bowl. So I, I firmly fell, I, I don't want to say firmly, I fell back in love with it after kind of, you know, writing, you know, in past seasons, taking a week off, writing again, you know, um, I don't want to do it, but I made a concerted effort this time last year that I'm going to give it my all. You know, I, I really love DFS. I, I'm good at writing and getting my thoughts on paper. I want to put it all out to everybody and let's see what happens. So when people took to it and they had success with it and everybody was in lockstep together with me and my thoughts, uh, that was fantastic. I, I can't thank you guys and girls enough. Uh, just curious on your process during writing, 
you do your own writing, you're putting out your article. Did you do your own editing or did you pass that off to somebody else to get a second set of eyes on it before you threw it out there or were <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I did my own editing. I did everything. I added the pictures and the SEO, as they say, uh, which I sure I still don't know too much about that. The SEO is you would probably know more about that, like YouTube videos and uh, the hashtags and all that. But my bottom of the barrel, I think for me, uh, why it's so good and why people took to it. It's just it's no bullshit. It's no nonsense. It's it's a meat and potatoes kind of article. You get the player. You get the price, you get a nice shiny picture of said player, and then you get a couple sentences of some wisecracks or my my personal opinions on why I want to play this guy that week in this matchup. So it's no nonsense, it's straightforward, and I, I firmly believe that's why people took to it. It was boom, it was right there for you, uh, no nonsense. You don't have to click 17 things to get to it. You don't have to give me your credit card number. I don't need your firstborn child. Bam, I publish it, it's right there. You can read it, you can print it, you can write on it, you can do whatever you want with it. You're not gonna get me three three pages or uh, three paragraphs in, then all of a sudden have it fade out and say to continue reading. No, that, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. You know, as as a regular guy with a with a career uh, right now, I I'm not getting paid to do you know for my writing and my broadcasting, and that's fine because it's it's a hobby one that i love very much and there's no no ill will that i don't get paid for that i i have a career in behavioral therapy and that's fine but you know when you everything on these bigger sites now is behind a paywall they give you a teaser as they say in the business they give you a paragraph or a couple sentences and it says bam to continue reading you got to subscribe i don't know about most people but i instantly exit out and i never revisit that site and so to me you know when people create these you know or a regular guy like me or a regular guy like you you know we got a little bit of success or maybe you have no success you just everybody wants it right now they want to get paid a million dollars right now having no audience having no views having nothing they want it all right now when you have to understand that it's going to take time this thing takes time it might take a year it might take five years bottom of the barrel took me four or five years to get it really off of its you know off its legs and in the air and like really picked up and, and accepted by people and you know so i i'm not a big big fan of paywalls or patreons and again I'm not putting anybody down that does that because that's them. I can only speak to what I do, my thoughts, my opinions, what anybody else wants to do. That's their business. But, you know, you asked me to speak here this evening, and that's what I'm going to say. I'm not a fan of paying for content in today's day and age when bam, everything's, bam, right in front of you for free if you want to look hard enough. I mean, I... <clears throat> I'm going to clear my throat before I respond to that because I would say that you and me are in lockstep in that entire spiel that you just gave regarding things being behind the paywall. And I mean, if you look through the server, you can find, I mean, we have, the resource center down there has just about everything that you might need. And then you have all the RSS feeds. Um, there are, like you said, the exceptions to the rules um, that, you know, people do what they do. But, you know, you said you're in behavioral therapy. I'm working in a pharmacy 40 plus hours a week. I've got other things going on that instead of like having people say, you know, I'll pay for this feature or for this to go on. It's like, uh, just let me make things happen on my end and like i'll just give you whatever i can give you like but i've got things going on otherwise so definitely uh not throwing shade at anybody with the paywall process i do myself i i do pay for the paywall stuff uh but only certainly the things that you know i i would you know support on yeah i pay I'll, I'll be 100 percent honest with you i pay for for two websites and they're both dfs premium sites with optimizers that's all i that's all i want to use on both sites are is the optimizer i'm uh, i've been in talks with uh you know the undroppables and try to build one because i have experience doing that before and optimizer is is where it's at in terms of dfs if you have 
you can come up with, you know, a core group of guys in terms of right now it's hockey season. Uh, you can you can punch in, you know, Calgary, Calgary's first line or the Detroit Red Wings first line, and then you hit optimize, and then it builds the line for you, and you have, uh, you know, you have that in your back pocket if you need it. I build my lineups from scratch from top to bottom, but I use, you know, the optimizer to kind of help me out if I get in a, in a tough spot, if I'm, you know, have a, a brain fart or I'm, you know, having some sort of, you know, like block, like writer's block, like DFS lineup building block, if that's even a phrase, I use an optimizer to help get me over the hump. So therefore I'm never, I'm never stuck in that. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go today. I'm bam. Every morning I wake up, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing and I can get it out to people fast free and easy and in turn everybody showed me love back so i I thank everybody for that no i uh am definitely with you on the lineup optimizer but not using the lineups that they give you but rather taking sort of the ideas that they're suggesting and thinking okay well you know maybe if i did like pivot at that position with that player what could i do with my money elsewhere so yeah, great, uh, great mindset alike. Um, but that might be putting myself on a pedestal there. So, uh, let's keep uh, keep on chugging along here. Um, any favorite IDP sleepers coming into this upcoming? Any favorite IDP sleepers coming into this upcoming draft? In the draft, or that's that are already uh, in the in the NFL. Let's say, let's say coming into the draft. Are you much of a Debbie man? Uh, here and there. I mean, I, I do watch college football. I've yet to get into the, uh, you know, the Debbie where you can uh, draft. Oh, no. The C- where, you C- can draft, no, where you can no. draft a freshman, you know, in co- a freshman in college and you have him on your team. And, you know, it, it looks uh, fantastic. I'd love to do it. And I know a guy, and probably people here know him too. His name's Kevin uh, at the boys, writes for Hammercast. He's doing some stuff with uh, Triple Play, Dave Mendy over at Triple Play. And he's even doing some Debbie stuff with Fantasy Pros now. So from what I, I know about it, it seems right up my alley because I'm a big uh, MLB prospects guy in, you know, in seasonal dynasty fantasy baseball. So I would imagine it, I would fit in very nicely with Debbie. I uh, have heard so much about those C2C leagues, and while they do sound like the pinnacle of the ultimate fantasy football player, it just seems like so much going on with just like so many moving pieces along with, if I were to commit to that, I would have to make that a single league. I play nothing else that year. That's going to have to be what I focus on because otherwise... I feel like I'm somehow I'm going to get lost in the league, basically. But yeah, that's a a little bit out of my wheelhouse as well. So don't fault you for that whatsoever. Um, we were talking about movements on the defensive side of the ball and transactions earlier in the podcast. Thoughts on Judon joining New England and. How's this play out fancy wise for himself, maybe for the entire unit? Uh Judon was uh he was great. I again, uh not to be that guy like with my pinky up, like, oh I, I saw that. but I, <laughs> I, I I I wrote an IDP waiver wire ad every week over the past season. So I think that's also a good way. Even if you don't write uh an IDP waiver wire article or an you know, any kind of waiver wire article just kind of research like you're doing one and take your own notes like you're going to publish it because I can't tell you how how fun it is and how quick you pick up you know all the all the players on different teams and what units they're on and you go from there and I had no idea who Judon was until about a season or two ago and him going from Baltimore to New England uh, when you when anybody goes to New England I mean you could have put in you know, player X, Y, or Z here, but Judon going to the Patriots uh, on that, def- on that defense, he's going to be uh, just another guy. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative sense, but he's going to be uh, another spoke on that wheel because in new England, there's a bigger uh, kind of 
there's a bigger motion. There's a bigger machine going on in New England. Not not a lot of people kind of stand out like in the in the flashiness department. You don't have you know players dancing on the the New England Patriots logo at the middle of the field. Everybody <laughs> it goes there. Everybody works hard because Belichick and their coaching staff are so damn good that that's what they 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 don't expect all that nonsense from you. They want you to come in, put your head down, and work hard. And Judon going to that defense is going to be unbelievably fantastic this season. And I'm excited for it. Anybody, If Judon would have went anywhere else, everybody would have said, like, let's say Judon went to Detroit or Judon went to your Colts. You know, oh, my God, Judon playing with uh, – next to Darius Leonard, he's going to be fantastic. He's going to have 120 tackles. But when he goes to New England, it's kind of a, yeah, that makes sense because he can just kind of, you know, fall in line and everything that's enveloped in in New England is for the greater good. Uh, You know, the the sum is greater than the parts, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. Um, Yeah, because you couldn't really pick up – you could pick up the New England defense – itself that one year what was it two years ago not last year but the year before where they were the ridiculous unit that they were but then this past season like there really wasn't anybody on the team that you could depend on week to week to provide you those points that you could find elsewhere but yet the defense still succeeded like i don't know they spread they spread it out i, I don't know exactly how Belichick gets that machine to work as well as it does. But as you said, they should be unreal this year, barring many, anything dramatic or anything like that. But I'm definitely excited to see that play on the offensive side, maybe less so, but I am excited, I guess, to see Cam run it back with them. I don't know. you have any feelings towards uh, Cam resigning there? Well, I, I was just, I was in, I'm enjoying the chat at the same time. You're talking, I'm talking, I'm enjoying the chat too. And some people were talking about uh, Cam Newton. And I said, I believe at this point, or someone said, what if uh, Odell Beckham comes to New England, that Bill Belichick is going to trade for OD, OBJ uh, on draft day. And I said, oh, that would be gross, whatever. And then I thought better of it. And you know, we're not, we're not going to be getting prime cam and prime OBJ. Can you imagine how special that would be in cams MVP season and Odell is in his prime years and in New York, but cam Newton, I think at this stage of his career, this stage in the game, he deserves another season to, to, to make it right to prove that he is a, a good professional quarterback that he's a consummate professional. I think he's kind of put all that childish nonsense aside uh, he dresses weird. He dresses funny, but that has no bearing on him as a man or him as a professional quarterback. So I believe that Cam has earned the right uh, for another full season with no nonsense from from people like us, from a nobody like me, you know, to put him down in his work ethic and him playing, you know, professional quarterback in the NFL for how many seasons? That's just not normal. You know, the average you know, career or, or lifespan for a professional athlete in the, in the NFL is what two or three seasons. And I'm being realistic there. So cam to be in the league this long and to be a starting quarterback is amazing. I believe that cam deserves, you know, at least one more season to see what he's got in new England. He needs to get on that field and throw as many shovel passes to James white as he possibly can every game of the week. That's what I want to see. For every game of the year. Absolutely. I would love that. My dynasty team would love that. I think Bill Belichick would like it. He kept James White around again for another season. Albeit yeah, Bill, for just a one year, but I think Bill, it might be the year for James White. Bill Belichick looks like he doesn't like much, so he's never smiling. He's never having fun. Uh, the last time I think uh, Bill Belichick smiled was when Randy Moss invited him to their Halloween party, but that was like 15 years ago. <laughs> uh, Chipola Polo says Damian Harriet, Damian Harris, RB one this year. Um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm trying, I'm doing whatever I take to get Damian Harris in, uh, in my 14 team, full PPR, full IDP dynasty. And the guy that has Damian Harrison won't budge. I thought I was going to be able to sneak one over on the league to grab Damian Harris, but you know I I currently have uh, Cam Akers, 
Uh, who else? Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and J.D. McKissick. So Damian Harris would just be, you know, cherry on top. But uh, Harris owners not budging. Um, uh, I certainly wouldn't mind selling James James White, but Damian Harris, yeah, it would be hard to get him out of my hands if I was holding on to him for this long and then was looking to get traded. But I wish you luck in your in your uh, acquisition of them this upcoming season. I think that ship has sailed. Uh, I think I'm going to have to wait now for the other owner to come, uh, come back to me with his tail between his legs. And that's fine because I'll be able to acquire him uh, cheaper than expected. There we are. There we are. The way to play the game. Um, As a Colts fan, this is me personally speaking, by the way, Um, I'm asking this question. As a Colts fan, can you hold me and tell me things will be fine this season with Wentz at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in Michigan. I don't know where you are. I don't know how long it would take me to drive. Within driving distance. Within yeah, driving. so, so about five hours. Yeah, I could I could be there in the morning and, you know, make you some breakfast and hold you. But you know what? I, I'm I'm totally – and I hope people don't take this the wrong way or rake, rake me over the coals for this one, but – I'm indifferent to Carson Wentz. I don't hate, I don't have any strong feelings or emotions one way or another. You know, we, we saw Carson Wentz was, he, he played fantastic in Philly in, in small doses and small bursts that season where he blew out his knee, but they won the Super Bowl without him. He had a damn good regular season. And then last year, uh, he just looked, you know, defeated, demoralized. He had no, he was insecure. And I believe that was because of the coaching staff. Doug Peterson was is a fool he had no idea what was going on he had no idea what to do and uh but Wentz going to Indianapolis I'm not worried about it I don't think you know it's still I mean for for you know it's going to be April you know in the next day or so it's still only March there's no reason to worry about Wentz right now absolutely no reason and if he can he I hope he's already started to work he's in the facility he's talking to people he's getting all that nervous energy out he's all those yips the yips are a real thing when it comes to professional sports and if he comes in day one uh to Colts camp to work with these people and the rookies and whoever's there already with JT you know it really helps that he has one of the best young running backs in the game in the backfield behind him uh if Carson Wentz can kind of get back to where he was and dial that in he's it's going to be scary in Indianapolis with what he can do with those offensive pieces there I think Michael Pittman Jr. takes a massive step this season I'm a big Michael Pittman Jr. guy uh T.Y. Hilton is uh I, I was shocked that they gave him 10 million or whatever they did he had about uh what did he have three or four games finally last season where he had over a hundred, like the, the corpse of T Y Hilton came alive last season because the, the last time T if I remember this correctly in my brain, the last time T Y Hilton had over a hundred yards receiving was 2018 when Andrew Luck was the quarterback. And that lasted all the way until what uh, week 14, week 13 or 14 last season. So uh, T Y Hilton coming back is, is that a, you know, is that a bump, a positive bump? Well, yes and no. I mean, he's there to, you know, to help, you know, Michael Pittman or whatever tight end they have or will have Jack Doyle, whoever. But uh, having Jonathan Taylor there is going to take a ton of pressure off Wentz in that offense. So Wentz, I'm not worried about him. Not yet. You spent a solid chunk of time there talking about the Colts and not one mention of Perry Campbell, and I couldn't be more in the camp with you on that one. So... Let's all feel free to overlook Paris Campbell. If Par- yeah. when 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 Paris Campbell gives us a reason to talk about him, we will. Until then, he's just another guy. He's a, as it's it's kind of picked up theme on social media. He's just a jag, J A G, mm-hmm. just another guy. Just another guy. Um, most un- most overrated and underrated defenses this year. Any teams that you expect to take a giant step forward or backward based on free agency? Projected draft picks, player development. Um, basically, well, it, who, who who do you like making the biggest step forward and who made some bad moves this offseason? So to me, I mean, this is even before the draft. The Washington football team, that defense is going to be uh, insane. And I hope people don't uh, get sick of me talking about that because – 
Uh, I started this the, to ride this Washington train probably, you know, week four or five last season, and it hasn't stopped. Chase Young is insane. He's a freak of nature. Uh, I love him too. Chipotle Polo in the, in the chat. This is great being in the chat and talking at the same time. I guess this is what, you know, you know, when celebrities, they, I'm not a celebrity by any means, but you know, when they, when they live tweet, when their movie is on, you know, they catch a movie and they're, they're the star of it live tweets at the same time. This is great being in the chat at the same time, but I'm with you, Chipolo Polo. Uh, Chase Young is insane. Uh, and that team is going to be fantastic. And they did it. I think, you know, as, as a Lions fan or as a, as a professional sports fan, you know, I feel, and as a man, you feel weird being envious of other teams or what they've done. I, I've only, I've normally only felt that in baseball because the, you know, the young prospects that come up in the drafts and you're like, oh, that farm system looks fantastic and whatever. But in football, I'm very envious of what Washington has done and how they built and where they're going. And now that they've kind of, they're starting to match their defense on the offensive side of the ball, albeit with, with Fitzpatrick, but that's okay. So they're going to take a huge step forward. Uh, the Pats are going to be, you know, on the moon. That's going to be insane. We might see the, the Patriots of a few seasons ago where they were like, if you compare them overall in points, like they were in the mix at like wide receiver 20 or tight end five. You, you know what I'm getting at when you compare the two, like uh, new England was insane a couple years ago. And a couple teams that, that probably took, take a step back, uh, you know, as it stands now, Dallas hasn't really done anything special, but I believe that at Dallas addresses it big time in the draft because, again, they have they have, they just sewn up. They don't have any money to left to pay out to any offensive talent because they have Dak there long-term, Zeke and uh, Gallup and whoever else is there. Oh, C.D. Lamb, how could I uh, miss him? So Dallas on defense might be – uh, a little shoddy, but that's okay because their offense is probably going to put up, you know, 30, 34, 35 points a game. So, you know, that, that kind of helps the defense when you tell them, well, our offense is going to score 35 points. So you just have to hold the, the, the offense under 30 points. I'd like to think that's how coaches talk in, at the sidelines and in the huddles here. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, they're kind of in limbo to me as long as I got TJ Watt. Uh, and Minka Fitzpatrick, they're going to be okay. The Lions are a dumpster fire on defense. They've always been. Uh, they're going to be awful on defense. I, I agree. Or excuse me. I think that the Lions address offense big time again in the draft for like the 15th year in a row. And then if you look over Seattle, they they're they probably you know just off the top of my head without the the entire NFL in in front of me. Seattle is. Uh, They've taken a massive step back. The Legion of Boom is no more. They used, it used to be scary going into Seattle at CenturyLink Field on, on like a, a Sunday afternoon game, and it was loud, it was packed, and it was you know awful to play. And they're just they're a shell of themselves on defense. Yeah, so you can see uh, what happened there uh, with Seattle. By the way, if you care to take a peek while I feed you here, this next question. Um, yeah, they fell apart. Um, Chipolo Polo was a Washington football team and Patriots fan. No wonder he's having so much fun in the chat here tonight with us. Uh, makes a lot more sense. Uh, if and w- one thing I want to say real quick. So when, when you're when you ask me a question, the, the people in the chat kind of they know where you're going and they hear it before me so they give their answers so uh i'm gonna i'm being open and honest here if i get stuck or i don't know i'll just use one of their i steal their answer that's pretty, <laughs> that, that's cool right yeah yeah Kidding. i mean it, it's a group it's a group effort absolutely teamwork makes a dream work as they say um if you're starting up a league right now just got a call said so get Better yet, somebody's got a gun to your head. You need to set up a fantasy football league. Let's head to your favorite format, size, scoring settings, bonuses, you know, all that fun stuff. What what are you setting it to? Oh, wow. So uh, being in Detroit, you say gun to my head. Wouldn't be the first time. I'm being honest there. So uh, my, my favorite format would probably be uh, 14 teams. You know, 10 is uh, – you know, I would like to think me and a lot of other people, you know, 10 at this point, like if you write and you broadcast, and you're doing all this, 10 is, 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 is too simple, right? So 10 is out. 12 is, is kind of, 
12 is where you, you, you separate the reels from the fakes. You know, 12 is kind of, you know, more impressive. But 14 is where you can really start to weed out, you know, like the casual fans, right? So mine would be the guns to my forehead or my temple right now. I would say 14 teams, uh, full PPR, uh, not super flex. I, I don't like – you can have two or three flex spots, but it's for wide receivers, tight ends, and uh, running backs. I, I, I mean – I have no other, I can't not play in super flex leagues. That's all the rage right now, but I just like a regular, a couple flex spots, not super flex, 14 teams, full PPR. I want a, a full IDP roster to all the defenses. I want, uh, how, how do we do this? I want two defensive ends, a defensive tackle. I want three linebacker spots and I want the secondary broken up. I want two cornerbacks and I want two safeties. I don't want it all you know, mushed up into DB. I want them separated between cornerback. I want it separated uh, between DB. And then in terms of the scoring, I like it evenly matched where, um, so a, a stud linebacker like Leonard, Roquan Smith, Fred, uh, Fred Warner in San Francisco, they're going to score just as much as a stud running back would, if that makes sense. And then the cornerbacks and the safeties will score just like a wide receiver would. So it's equal boom, boom, like that. And the tight ends will score, be in lockstep with uh, the defensive linemen, the defensive ends, the defensive linemen, and we'll go from there. And you slice the points right down the middle, as I said, stud running back scores the same as a stud linebacker, and you go from there, and uh, we're off and running. How do you feel about the points per down or half points per down or any version of that scoring? you like to include that in any of your leagues? I don't think, uh, if I understand you correct, so points per down. So, you, like a quarterback first, or a running back would first down points per first, first down. down. Uh, you know what? I I'm I think I, I got to the point where I am not only in my regular life but my fantasy life is I I've kept an open mind and I've been willing to try anything and I've never played in a league like that before. But I'm not I'm not against it. I, that sounds to me like a league that would like finals on Sunday or Monday night would be like 700 to 800. Like the points would, you know, would, would be wild. And that's fun. That's all people want. They want goals in hockey. They want touchdowns in in football. They want home runs in baseball. We want more, we want more points. So I'm not opposed to it. Oh yeah. Just curious. We uh, ran a league in the discord last year where the, uh, offense you got a quarter of a point per reception and a quarter of a point per first down so your waters or your running backs that you know they plug in for the one yard first down runs they're getting that little boost that when they're not really as useful in just the straight ppr leagues and kind of evens out that a little bit but just curious on your thoughts on that and uh yeah we can move right along to uh, are there any specific types of DFS contests that you play more often than the others? And any thoughts on MKF, Monkey Knife Fight? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when it comes to DFS, I could, we could be here for another hour. Realistically, it's 8 o'clock, <laughs> 10 after 8 Eastern. Uh, we could be here till 8 a.m. Eastern in the morning when we, if we talk DFS, I could go and go. But I started out, uh, you know, not knowing much when when FanDuel and, and FanDuel was the first one, and then DraftKings followed a year or two later in 2012, 2013. And right, for, I, I just kept trying to hit home runs, and that that's what I did. Right, I, you just play these massive tournaments, or AKA GPPs. You know, it's a dollar, two dollars to get in, and you're playing against a hundred thousand other people. That's having uh realistic success there is it, you bet you're better off playing the lotto scratch off or playing the four digits i mean you'll win before that but as you know we all as humans as we grow and learn we adapt and we try other ways so as it stands now i'm big into uh like the smaller cash games like a 50 50 or a uh a double up those are good ones but my bread and butter is those they're, they're three and five man tournaments. Each one, it's a dollar or two dollars to get in uh, there. You know, there are only three spots in this one, only five spots in that one. But I play in probably 
150 to 200 a night. So I do, you know, basically you enter, enter, enter contests all day. And then 10 minutes before lock, I, you know, run some numbers and I put in one, one line. I put one entry in all 200 or all 150 uh, entries. So just one flat out roster in every entry I have. And I, I can set my watch by it. I, I've logged data that I've done. I've written it down. I filled up notebooks. So let's say, you know, 200 entries at a dollar a piece would be $200. So I, I'm, I'm betting $200 a night. And uh, three, four times a week, I will double my entry fee. That's all I ever try to do when I play DFS is double my entry fees. If I double, I'm good. So I do that about three, four times a week. Uh, and then two, I would say one or two times a week, I... I, I clear it out. I hit every line and you're talking a, a clean sweep. You're talking, you know, 12 to 1400 bucks in winnings a night on $200 spent. So that's six nights. And then the seventh night uh, I bought them out. I don't win anything. I lose my 200 bucks, but at that point you're good because you've doubled up four times a week and you've hit pay dirt the other two, two times a week. That's insane. That's insane. I love the process though. Um, down below, they said, <laughs> I, I, I'm drafting off how cool the names are in this man's researching hours and the days. Mad respect. Thank that you. Is... <laughs> Dankus Mimius. Thanks you. It's not as, uh, I think I'm good with my words and I'm able to, you know, articulate well. So it's not as exhausting and time consuming as you think because you know as it stands now the time consuming and the researching was spent you know three or four years ago and now i'd like to think i have it down so cold i'm kind of on easy street now it's just a process of waking up and going through the motions each day and then trying to explain it to other people i love it i love it um down below uh we see saber asking can he just give you his money for DFS and he'll bankroll yeah, you? <laughs> absolutely. He's on the team at uh, Undroppables. We're in a group <laughs> chat together. He can reach out. He can Venmo me anytime. He can uh, PayPal me. Uh, what's the other one? Zell. I don't know what, what all these other. That's for the young kids. If you want to send me money, put cash in an envelope and I'll meet you at the diner. Excellent. Uh, P.S. Saber, check your DMs after this is over. Um. Moving on, who do you think has a better team to be successful, Swift or James Robinson? That's a fantastic question, and I love both of them. Now, I've been on several broadcasts where James Robinson, you know, I added him off waivers last season, uh, September 4th. I remember the day. It's like, you know, the day you meet your wife or the day you meet your husband, what, the day you had your first kid. You know exactly where you were when you did it. And I added James Robinson September 4th. And my team was never the same. You know, I, I, I won. We did. A, a, we, we drank. We had a, a, a merry old time. But this season, you know, I have to, to lean swift. And again, not to be rude, uh, I don't think it's close. And I'll tell you why here in, you know, a, a very, you know, skilled short time. So swift is the unquestioned. RB1 in Detroit. Anthony Lynn is the offensive coordinator. We saw what he did in LA in the Chargers for, for Herbert, for and most importantly for Eckler, 100 receptions, 80 receptions. Like He made Eckler a star. Nobody heard of Eckler. Eckler was just kind of a practice squad guy until Anthony Lynn, the brainchild of helping Eckler out, is now in Detroit. So I would fully expect DeAndre Swift to get you know, what, 220 carries, 80 receptions. I mean, superstar kind of numbers here, and he's going to do very well with them. And I'm not saying James Robinson can't do it, but the likelihood of James Robinson doing that is far less than DeAndre Swift because, I mean, how many people in this chat and how many people on social media are sold that James Robinson is still going to be the guy in Jacksonville? I, I, they'd be silly not to have James Robinson as their RB1 and, and feed him. You know, if you remember last season, James, there was a handful of games. There was like a four or five game stretch where nobody on the field touched the ball other than James Robinson. And they would be well served doing that again this year, but people are freaked out. What are they get? They're going to take, you know, Trevor Lawrence first overall, and then they're going to add wide receivers and they're kind they're probably going to get away from the running game and blah, blah, blah. 
I don't know. But so I don't want you guys to think or girls to think that I don't like James Robinson. I love James Robinson, but it's uncertain the direction of the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Whereas in, we know what we're going to get from Swift. We know what Swift is going to be this season. So for that, uh, I'm going Swift all day and night on this one. Um, do you think that's, um, let's see here. I just lost it. They were asking about acres down here. Um, is chip wild to think the acres and Swift could be equal to or better than JT at the end of the day? Oh, that no, not at all. So I, I'm reading it real time too. And I just replied back. I put, uh, quote, not wild. I'm thinking the same thing. Now acres is another guy who, uh, I think, you know, you know, Sean McVay, uh, uh LA's at the LA Rams offensive or excuse me head coach I feel like he long conned us last season there was a few games where Akers wasn't even dressed and then he was and he got one carry and then he was dressed and he didn't do nothing and then when the when the Rams needed him the most what after week 12 13 14 and 15 Akers was getting 20 carry 25 plus carries in a game and Acres did fantastic with that. So I, I would be shocked if we didn't see that kind of workload for Acres again this season. It, 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 are we going to see, I'm stuttering and stammering because I'm so excited here. Are we going to see Acres get, you know, 25 carries in week one? We're going to see Acres get 30 carries in week two. Absolutely not. These guys are going to, especially if there's no preseason, they're going to start slow, give them what they can and, and go from there. But at some point this season, early on in the 2021 season acres is going to be wheels up full speed ahead 20 plus carries a game and then with swift i could see swift getting 8 17 18 carries a game but then you know catching 8 to 10 passes a game so you're looking at probably close to 25 to 30 total targets and touches for swift a game and same thing with acres in terms of of, of uh, excuse me uh carries here so acres and swift uh could be and should be equal to or better than JT this season. And I, I'm saying it now. I haven't said it anywhere before. I haven't written it. So you're hearing it here first. Akers and Swift will be just as good as Jonathan Taylor in the 2021 season. Love it. Live on tape. You have it here. We'll revisit at the end of the season. I'm going to tweet Ooh. it out right now, too, and we'll see what kind of mad mad people we get it. <laughs> um. You mentioned the time. We're coming up on an hour here. Uh, too long. Uh, real quick, uh, we'll rapid fire a few here. Um, oh, I've got a question. You said plugging in some figures, whatnot. Did you do a lot of computer programming before you got into DFS, or do you have any background in that in terms no, of? absolutely not. I don't even know how to... Uh... Turn on your computer. Okay, I can do that. I, I have a brand new laptop, and I'm still learning the ropes here. But no, I, I'm not a computer programming guy. I mean, I can get, I can get by. I mean, like I said, I'm in my mid 30s, so you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I was on the edge of computers being in school, and you know, every class had a computer. But in today's day and age, these kids in high school, you know, they carry a computer in their back pocket, and they go everywhere with it, and smartphones, and you know, in, in middle school and high school, we didn't have smartphones and everything, and and that's fine. But I, I'm good with a computer. I, I I know exactly what I needed to do to get the desired result. And that's all. That's all I ever need, right? Exactly. Couldn't have said better myself. As I look at my tiny computer with my big computer next to me. Um, let's see here. It looks like we've gotten through most of the questions uh, that you didn't uh, get to in text while we were going over the previous ones here. Um, anything you want to add here at the end? Uh, I failed to give you the chance to you know, speak for yourself whenever I gave you the intro, and my apologies for that, but um anything you have to say if uh if the stage is yours and i mute my mic and just sit back no this was uh phenomenal it was uh you know when you're asked to do something and you know you you romanticize the idea and you think it's going to go a certain way and i, I had a picture in my mind of how this was going to go in that because as i told you at the opening you know i've used discord before but it's all been you know, text. It's all been, you know, never talked to someone, never spoke to anybody, certainly never was able to, uh, you know, live 
message and, and text and type as I'm speaking and people are speaking to me. It was uh, better than I could have ever imagined. And I, I appreciate this, this, uh, this chance very much. And I thank everybody here in the chat. Very, uh, what a chat, what a, what a, what a time we had here. And uh, anybody that wants to reach out to me, I pride myself on, uh, on getting back to anybody and everybody who asks me, tags me, messages me, calls me, texts me, you know, that's what I, that's what I'm known for. And, th and that was all self-induced. That's what I wanted to be. Cause I, you know, years ago when I started this whole thing, uh, Twitter wasn't even around discord wasn't around. And I reached out to several, you know, big names, big websites to help me in my DFS you know, knowledge kind of thing. And nobody got back to me. And I felt like such an asshole. I felt like such a loser that nobody wanted to, you know, get back to me and help me out. I said, you know what? I'm going to uh, not be that way. I'm going to be the exact opposite. So anybody who messages me, reaches out to me, calls me, I will answer you in a timely fashion. And I thank you for all the, the questions and the comments and the interactions. Very much so. Well, it's been nothing but a pleasure here on our end. Uh, I think I speak for the rest of the chat here that we loved having you on here um it we'll definitely have to do it again uh, i had a blast had a blast got a lot of good takes i love the terrius leonard love naturally um looks like you auto modded there whoops uh but uh yeah it's been a good time and um we'll definitely be doing this again Especially because my uh, stimmy needs to be turned into more money, and if DFS is still active, that that seems like a good play with a big brain like yourself. You said you've never been called that before. I find that hard to believe, but absolutely. Again, and uh, your stimmy will probably hit right at the same time the the baseball baseball regular season will start. And hockey is by far my favorite and most prosperous. DFS sport, but baseball and MLB is not far behind. So uh, things are rolling and they're hitting and everything's going uh, perfectly and swimmingly right now. I just had a little cartoonish thing where my eyes popped out of my head with dollar signs. So you couldn't see it because we were on video, but it happened. I promise. Anyway, uh, thanks again for coming on tonight, my man. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better experience. Uh, I'm sorry that the stage thing didn't work out but um we can definitely make that work uh moving forward and uh you're more than welcome to come back and chit chat with us and i'll be in your dms we can talk about anything that uh you'd like to do on here the we've got a lot of different avenues of communication and different programs taking place and always open to different ideas so don't uh, don't be a stranger, and I certainly won't be. And we'll I won't. Thank you so much, good. and I will I will take you up on that. All righty. Enjoy the rest of the night. Chat. Thank you all for uh, attending the AMA. This is Space Ghost Force signing off. Detroit. Later. Later.